It's the Garden Nerd Tip of the Week podcast, where we spend time chatting with expert gardening guests and we ask for their favorite tip. I'm Christy Wilhelmy. Thanks for joining me. Today, I'm talking with Larry Kandarian of Kandarian Organic Farms, and we're here at the Santa Monica Wednesday Farmer's Market, one of the many markets where you can find Kandarian Farms. Larry has been farming for 50 years and specializes in heritage grains, beans, seeds, pulses, and more. Thanks for chatting with me, Larry. My pleasure. Yeah. Happy I'm, to be here with you. I'm happy to be here at the Farmer's Market at the Santa Monica Wednesday Farmer's Market. I haven't been here in a long time, and it's it's kind of a, a good old standby for the community, isn't it? It really is. It's one of the best markets that I go to, and I really love it. I, I would not come here. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, and, uh, and I see you at the Wednesday... I'm sorry, the, the Sunday Mar Vista Farmer's Market. That's where yeah. I get my Candarian Farm supplies. And we met, well, we met before that, though, at uh, various L.A. bread baker uh, events and at the 2016 Grain Conference. I think you were, were you there for yes, that? Yes, yeah. I was there. And, uh, and I was, I've been dying to interview you for this podcast because... The stuff you grow is unusual and fascinating to me, and so I wondered, how did you go from being a mechanical engineer to heritage grain farming? <laughs> well, yeah, it, it wasn't didn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Most things don't. Uh, I was in the flower seed business. One of my professors was a bodger, and he worked in aerospace and, and worked for uh, Ford Motor Company and aerospace. And so I went into aerospace, and that's how where my engineering talent went and, and he was always trying to get me to work for him so I finally did after I got out of aerospace where I helped you design the USB port so we were working on that at Raytheon in Oxnard oh cool and um, then I went to Bodger Seed Company he was a nominal partner and grew flowers and vegetables uh, for seed and so I became a seedy person and, uh, so you were growing flowers for seed to sell the seeds? Yes, uh-huh. yeah. They, they were a flower seed company, and they went fourth generation before they sold. Okay. So they're now sold. It's gone. Yeah. It's uh, hard because seed companies are being consolidated, yeah. bought up by bigger, bigger, bigger companies. Bigger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, the, the, the biggest one is Bayer, who now owns Monsanto, Monsanto. and all that stuff. And Semenis so. and all that. Yeah, Semenis yeah. and all Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Uh, and so I'm, I'm still like, should I go down a tangent of asking you about how to grow seeds for <laughs> flowers for seed? Uh, I mean, what are this? What are the isolation distances on most flowers? Uh, about a quarter of a mile, quarter to a half. And if they're brassicas, which are cruciferase, yeah. which is now called brassicacea, yeah. Um, cabbages and stuff like that a mile a mile mile, yeah and most people don't have that kind of space no so yeah we do we employ different techniques at home to try and you just cut off any flowers that you don't want to you know cross pollinate -pollinate, and then you know save that one radish or whatever well you can bag it you know you can put a bag on it to keep the vectors out and the pollen and does that work with mesh or does it have to be like a paper bag or no mesh will work oh okay good to know side note (laughs) sorry I get distracted really easily uh, when we go down rabbit holes. So describe Kandarian Farms for us. What does it look like? How many acres? What do, what's it, Or how many farms is it? Uh, it's 130 acres on one farm that has 200 different crops on it. Wow. And it goes from uh, the valley floor, Los Osos Valley, up about 500 feet, and we farm up about 200 feet up. So um, 
there's all little plots, and, and I have some pictures, actually. I have a Ooh. map here that I can show you after we're done. I will take a picture and post it on the blog post that yeah. goes along with this yeah. interview. That would be fun. Great. Los Osos is Central California, right? Central or Coast. Central Coastal yeah. California. By San Luis Obispo, which Oprah Winfrey said is the the happiest place on earth. I believe that. Yeah. And so what do you deal with as far as uh, problems? Do you get powdery mildew because you're in the coast? Do you get rust? Do you, what do you get in, in terms of issues up there? Well, we get none of those because we do regenerative organic farming. Sweet. We leave a lot of weeds in there so we don't use any chemicals whatsoever. The, the plants feed themselves. There's a interconnectedness of the roots underneath the ground, and that's what we need to do for regenerative agriculture. We're balancing, constantly balancing carbon-nitrogen ratios and bacteria-fungal ratios to get soil that's like a forest floor. Right. And yeah. so when you yeah. harvest a crop, you're not actually tilling the soil, you're just cutting it down. Yeah, we never till. We, we Minimal till, we open a little slot every 30 inches to plant stuff. That's about it. That's so wonderful. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear that those 130 acres under your control are being farmed that way. That's really, that's hopeful. Thank you. Yeah, we're trying to offer hope and to teach people how to do regenerative gardens even in their backyard. Yes. Yeah. In addition to more familiar grains like hard red wheat, you carry some uncommon varieties like farro and einkorn, teff, kamut, which is actually... Coruscant. Coruscant, which I always want to say wrong. Sorghum and triticale, which I've grown that. That's fun. I've grown a few things, including the triticale, and I've grown Coruscant, but on a small scale, very small. I mean, very low harvest. But it's definitely difficult to grow some of the others. Can you walk us through how you grow some of these more challenging grains? Well, you know, the ones I like the best are the, the Coruscant, which is 18,000 years old, but we go 27,000 years to Einkorn, wow. which is Petite Faro, which is also called uh, um, Triticum monococcum. It only ha it's a diploid. It only has two sets of chromosomes. And 12,000 years ago, they started growing it in the Fertile Crescent in Mesopotamia, mm -hmm. Cradle of Civilization. That's why you and I are able to communicate today yes. because of that one grain. <laughs> so it's really a cool thing. It's one that doesn't like it so cold, so we spring plant, and, and it uh, will tolerate... Uh, the climate that we have, our climate is really, really good for that particular grain. And um, and then we have the Immer Faro, which sets seed in twins, and, and it's uh, 18,000 years old. Set seed in twins. Does that mean that the seed, it's like... It, you get two sprouts and it's a cluster seed? Yeah, two seeds in one, one capsule, yeah. So when we harvest it, we we don't thrash it. We harvest it and gather, and then we have to break those apart. Yeah, because isn't emmer really hard to dehull? Yes, all the furrows are hard to dehull. So yeah. the, the furrows, I'll go back. So the furrows are, are einkorn, which is petite furrow. Emmer, which is Faro Medio, ah. and Spelt, which is Faro Grande. And I love Spelt. And, and, and they go back from <laughs> 27,000 years to 19,500 to 18,000. Yeah. And, and the ploidy is a diploid, tetraploid, hexaploid. So, you know, we're 23 and me, so <laughs> the N number is 7, so Einkorn is, and 2N is 14, and then Emmer 2N would be 28, so it's already smarter than me. And then we get to Spelt, and Spelt is 6, that's 42. That's really so smart. Way ahead of us. <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, so when you when you grow, let's just kind of walk through the process. You mm -hmm. you 
cut a trench, you bury the seed, and this is on a, you're using mechanized farming oh, yeah. methods, of yeah. course. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And how long does it take, what's the harvest season for these kinds of things? Uh, about five months, depends when you plant. Um, we can do uh, crossin and um, teff is warm season. We can grow those together and get those in, in five months. But I can plant as late as almost August and be done in in December. Oh wow! And, which is unusual. So that is. our climate is such that it lets us do that. We have a Mediterranean climate, but we're warm all the way typically until. Uh, December. This year was anomalous, and we had a frost in early November when Healdsburg burned right. and killed all my beans oh. so early. That I thought I had I'm more sorry. time, but I didn't. So, uh, yeah, about five months, and uh, so we plant, and then we harvest, and we do uh, um, bio-intensive, yes. not biodynamic. Bio-intensive. So, so everything that we harvest uh, that comes off is just the seeds, and then the rest all goes back in, and we leave it as a mulch to plant the next crop make a little slit and put the next crop in, be it beans or whatever, Yeah. constantly rotating. So we have legumes doing the feeding and the grains doing the eating. So we have feeders and eaters, and they're separate on the table over there. So Fantastic. Green and, and pink bags. You're so. reminding me of uh, One Straw Revolution. That's really, that's exactly how yeah. uh, that process is described. Yeah. in there, leaving behind the chaff and everything that, you know, except for the seed. And Yeah, well, and that's what the forest does, you know. I mean, the forest, whether they're deciduous or evergreen trees, they still <coughs> drop their leaves, and, and that becomes the litter, and then you have the fungus deteriorating it and the bacteria, and then you're, we, we grow soil first, and then crops on the soil. That's so right. That gives us nutrient-dense crops. Excellent. So there, there are two things that I buy the most often from you, which is the black lentils, the beluga lentils, and black chia seeds. I've never grown either of those. Can, can you give me a few pointers maybe on how to grow those or describe the process a little? Yeah, so the, the black lentils is like any other lentil. They will tolerate the frost, so we plant those in uh, December, and we have some that are probably about six, eight inches tall right now. Uh, they'll finish in April. And you can read the book Lentil Underground, and, and they're growing over in um, Montana, I think it is, My, Wyoming or Montana, and uh, um, doing a great job. It was a group of people, and they formed a co-op, and so they're growing lentils and doing a great job. Oh, very cool. Lentil job. Underground. Yeah, Lentil Underground's a book. I have to yeah. write that down. Yeah. And the lady one. that did that worked in the White House. Awesome. She's pretty cool. All right, let me just make a note. I can't remember her name, but she's amazing. Lentil underground. And then how about chia seeds? How about growing chia seeds? Yeah, so we have an all-black one. I think the one you bought for me is the the, uh, multicolored. So it's kind of black and cream and brown. Yes. Yeah, and so that's um, uh, Salvia Hispanica, which is a warm-season annual. Okay, so it gets about five feet tall and has a, a... flower about the color of your Levi's here uh-huh. and but it's not really sustainable because we have to irrigate it because of our Mediterranean climate we don't have summer rains so what we do is uh, we're switching to a different salvia and I, it, we just call it salvia species and it's a perennial and it's growing right now and actually blooming right now and so we'll get three harvests off of it and it's a black seed it looks just like the beluga lentil but it's about one third the size same nutrition as the other um, chia but it's it's totally uh, sustainable 
salvia, sorry, salvia species. We just call it species because I don't want to tell anybody the name because I'm the only one that that's has fine. It in the world. Proprietary secret, proprietary secret, a yes. perennial chia. It's a salvia. That's a I somehow did not know that salvias produce that's what chia seeds come from. Oh, yeah, all, all, all sages, which are salvias, uh, are I mean, chias are salvias, um, all. Let me make this analogy. So, you know, all, all collies are dogs, but not all dogs, dogs are, are collies. Dogs are collies, right. Okay, so salvias and the sage family all have square stems, but not everything that has a square stem is a sage. Okay. There's some verbenas and other stuff right. that have square and stems. Right, and mint and all yeah. of that. Well, mint mint is a salvia. It's in the sage family. It is. Yeah, yeah. so there's a, a rosemary, mint. And basil. They're all square basil, stems. Basil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it goes on and on and on. <laughs> Got it. Okay. One of my favorite families. Yes. Sage family. Do you have to deal with any predators when growing these crops? Uh, you know, a couple of things that we have are um, sometimes there's sparrows and linnets that come and eat some of the seeds, like the millet, for example. Yes. Uh, some of our millet is actually... Uh, AKA bird seed, and you'd think it had a neon sign on it that says bird seed, <laughs> and the birds come and eat it. Yeah. Uh, but not too much. I mean, that happens a bit. And then we have crows that come in and eat things. Uh, they'll take bigger seeds like corn, and, and then they just go down the row and they talk to each other and they come and they're in a community too. And right. So they come and commune and eat. They call it the, the crow consciousness. Yeah. Where they yeah. communicate and everybody knows yeah. when they show up. So what do you do to protect your crops from that? We just plant extra. <laughs> right. So, yeah. yeah. About how much do you lose to uh, to predators each year? You know, I'd say probably 5 or 10%, but that just comes with the territory. That's just tithing. Right. That's a good tithing number. I like the way you think, Larry. That's awesome. So you have the most beautiful selection of beans available. It really looks like a candy store over there at your booth. What are some of your favorites? Well, I like the Ayacotes, which are Scarlet Runners, the Ayacote Negro and the, the, the maroon-colored Ayacote. And uh, they're just a Scarlet Runner bean, great big, tall, climbing, bustling bean that's with a red flower, so that's why they call it Scarlet Runner. Right. Um, I also like the... Um, Peruvianas, which are, uh, uh, we call them canary cannellinis, and uh, these are all phaseolas, so they're cool season beans. We also grow vignas, which are the warmer season beans, which would be azuki, black eye, and mung. So those would grow in New Mexico or Fresno, but they will also grow in our area if we plant them a little bit later. In the warm season. Yeah, so we get warmer as the, as the summer go, gets going. Nice. Okay. It is tip time. Do you have a favorite tip that you'd like to share with the Garden Nerd audience? Yeah, I would like you to contemplate growing stuff together in polyculture rather than monoculture. So when you plant a garden, you know, put some marigolds in with your lettuce and the other stuff and leave the weeds grow. The weeds will will communicate with the stuff underneath as long as they're not um, not overpowering and taking the sun away from your plant. Leave them because what we need to do is get out of the way. Mother Nature provided prairies many years ago, and they sequentially bloom. So there's always something blooming from the early season C3 grasses in a prairie yeah. to the, the late season C4s and then all the flowers and all that. So if you look at a prairie, it looks like a kaleidoscope. It just keeps changing. 
with the times. And so that's the way your garden should look to it. Uh, yes, absolutely. So I, I would say try it. You will like it, and you will be surprised how minimal the pests are that you have to fight. You won't be going to the hardware store and buying any uh, dot kill some stuff. Right. You won't need it. And I'm curious, what do you usually interplant if you do? With I know you said you let the weeds grow and that you rotate crops between legumes and the grains. Are there any crops you interplant with? Yes. Uh, for example, this year we did uh, teff and sonora wheat and Korshan wheat and um, einkorn. And we had teff in in the Korshan by itself and in with the einkorn and the sonora. The understory has clovers and uh, bird's foot trefoil and things in the legume family that are giving us nitrogen. And some of those are low growing and I tolerate those, it's fine. Even if they're tall, a wheat will outgrow it. And so teff is about, oh, 18 inches tall. It's a love grass, likes it warm. I can grow Korshan in late season when the teff wants to grow and then the einkorn we talked about doesn't like the frost so it'll do it too uh-huh. and then we can intercrop those and then they grow together. We have done a, a triple F mix which was uh, farro, flax and favita oh. and the favita was is, is a bell bean, it's like a fava so it was giving the nitrogen to the flax and the farro. We harvest them, the seeds are all vastly different sizes and then we can clean them up. Oh, so you up. have a sorter. Yeah. You just harvest, that was the Screen. mystery to me is like how do you sort how do you harvest that so you have a sorter yeah that makes yeah, all the I can show you world. some of my my corn grits that we're doing in the, and we have it in 564 and 664 and 864 so you could see and and teff is so tiny yes. it's the smallest grain in the world Korshan is the biggest and so it, I mean they sort out yeah if, you, if I can't do that I need another job yeah know? exactly <laughs> that's so great that's really that's a that's a great tip and I know that most of us aren't using mechanized machinery and stuff but we all can do polycultures that's really yes that's really the takeaway from yeah. from this conversation yeah. here yeah i would say just just think of a prairie and have a prairie in your mind you know when thomas jefferson said well biblically they said turn your your uh, swords into plowshares we should have never done that yeah. <laughs> but we we should have got rid of the swords of course but when Thomas Jefferson said, just keep farming and you just keep moving west, he didn't realize that by 1900, there was no further west to go unless you could do aquaculture. Aquaculture. Yeah. So Saltwater aquaculture. Yeah, that. yeah, for sure. Right. So there were some issues. But, but in the interim there, we turned over the prairies and ruined stuff and caused the dust bowl and all that. So if we go back and emulate that, there's more good bugs than bad bugs, so we don't have to spray because... The good bugs outnumber the bad bugs, and if you have a place for them to live, then guess what? They're going to they get They hungry. stay there, and, and they leave your eating. stuff alone. Yeah. yeah, that's how I, I plant nasturtiums, and they stay. They populate my nasturtiums and my marigold, my calendula, and they leave everything else alone yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that expert tip, Larry, and for being on the Gardener Tip of the Week podcast. My pleasure. I know you have quite a following on social media, so where do people find you? Uh, they can find me on Instagram, and then we're also on LinkedIn. Um, and that's Candarian Farms? Candarian Organic Farms. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, and where? what farmer's markets are you at? 
Oh, so many. Uh, <laughs> let's just start with the beginning of the week. So I'm in Baywood Park, which is my my town near Los Osos. It's Los Osos Baywood Park, two cities together, uh, unincorporated. <clears throat> so I do that one on Monday. Tuesday we're in uh, Culver City and Manhattan Beach. Wednesday I'm here in Santa Monica. Uh, Thursday, can't remember where. Oh, South Pasadena. South yes. Pasadena and, and Thursday. Then, and then... Friday, I sometimes do Monterey at MPC, Monterey Peninsula College. Saturday, well, there's a bunch of them. So I do Oakland um, on Saturday, and we do Pasadena. Ashley was just here who does Pasadena. And then John does Santa Monica right here. Um, And then on Sunday, we do Mar Vista, Hollywood. And then I'm in San Rafael. And then we do Encino. Wow. So I can't believe I remembered all those. That's amazing. <laughs> and you do sell your beans and legumes and grains online as well. Oh, yes. And we, we have quite a following online. So there's people that's building up more and more every every week, every month. Great. So people going. who don't live in the Southern California, Los Angeles area can go online at yeah. Kandarian Farms. And that, for the listeners, K-A-N-D-A-R-I-A-N is right. how you spell it. That's right, yes. And, and here in in the Los Angeles area, we have a lot of restaurants that have us on their menus. Oh, great. And so they come and buy from us in the back. That's what some of these boxes are I here. see. Those so, are the restaurant supplies. Restaurant supplies. Awesome. All right, Garden Nerds, you'll find a link to the website for Kandarian Organic Farms at GardenNerd.com this week. We'll also share the farm's social media feeds, their online store, and links to all the farmer's markets where they sell. That's it for this week. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit us for tons of free gardening information at GardenNerd.com. Show your support for this podcast and the other free stuff on GardenNerd by becoming a Patreon subscriber. You'll find us on Instagram and Twitter under GardenNerd1, on Facebook as GardenNerd.com, and of course, our GardenNerd YouTube channel. Happy gardening!